Darnell Williams at the tailback. They'll hand it off to Williams up the middle. 25. Cuts it inside. 30, 35, 40. There goes Cadillac. To the 50. To the 40. To the 30. To the 20. To the 15. 10. Go crazy, Cadillac. Go crazy. Touchdown. Now they can play a little safer. But they're not going to. Nix is back. Throws it downfield. Caught. Touchdown, Williams. A 20-yard attempt. Josh Harris, the snapper. He'll call to the place. He'll hold it. Byron waits for the snap to the place. There it is. The kick is up. The kick is good. Auburn wins. 22-19. What's going on, everybody? And welcome to another episode of the Auburn Today podcast. As always, my name is Noble. I'm joined here with my co-host, Wheeler. Today, we have a very busy podcast ahead of us Hugh Freeze has been hired as the next head football coach at Auburn University we're going to jump right into it for those that don't know Hugh Freeze his resume comes straight from Liberty he was the former head coach at Liberty from 2019 to present day before that he was involved in a scandal at Ole Miss which caused him to be fired or technically he resigned but he was notified by the staff that he would be let go that was from 2012 to 2016 Hugh Freeze, if I off the top of my head, he had a six win, seven win, eight win, nine win, and ten win season at Ole Miss, something like that. He leveled up every time, ended up with a ten win season, and his last season at Ole Miss, he won five games. Then all the stuff broke and was fired. His best recruiting class at Ole Miss was fifth in the country. Just a quick little blurb about Hugh Freeze for everybody that is not quite as familiar with him. But Wheeler, let's go straight into it. What are your immediate raw thoughts? on Hugh Freeze being hired as the next head football coach at Auburn University. Disappointment. Um, I think as far as a football coach goes, he was very successful at Ole Miss. I mean, up until Lane got there, he was the most successful coach that they had had. And arguably, they've had about the same uh, record since they've been at Ole Miss. I mean, they've done just about the same things. Um but I don't think anyone is really concerned about Hugh Freeze, the football coach, in this situation. I think that his character or lack thereof is more uh, the issue. So I think we're going to try and be fair on this podcast. I think we're going to try and not just spew talking points, but actually examine the facts. And I think that the facts are not necessarily in the man's favor. So. For context for everyone, there are three main allegations that Hugh Freeze faces that have stumped him from really advancing in the profession recently. So it all started in 2016 when Hugh is at Ole Miss. There's a uh, an NCAA allegation that Ole Miss is paying their players. Okay, the... Old Miss administration attempts to shift the blame off of Hugh Freeze onto former coach Houston Nutt, who then sues the university. During the discovery process of this uh, lawsuit, the Houston Nutt attorneys discovered that Hugh Freeze has used his university-issued, state-issued cell phone to call an escort service in Florida. So the myths that are associated with this are that he ordered these escorts as part of a recruiting effort for players. That is not the truth. He did this for his own personal gain. He did use his state cell phone. 
So he was guilty of ordering prostitutes and paying players. Now, of those, one of them is now legal, which would be paying players. A lot of people will say he shouldn't have used his state-issued cell phone, but should the man be out of coaching for forever because he went and ordered a prostitute? That's a that's a debate that people say he's changed now. It's no big deal. Following that, after he is terminated from Ole Miss, USA Today comes out with a story where it is a high school, several high school girls allege that while he was a teacher slash coach at a Christian high school in Mississippi, that he had three separate incidents where they felt he was sexually inappropriate. Those three incidents were, one, he asked a girl to change uh, her skirt out in her car, and she felt like uh, she was followed to the parking lot by him. There is one where someone broke the dress code violation and their school policy was to spank them with a paddle and he thought it was an okay idea to take a girl into his office without a woman and spank her with a paddle, which is overly sexual. He didn't see it that way. Just a very poor decision. And then there's a third incident where a girl was wearing a... Noel can't stop laughing. <laughs> because band, my thing is a band my, my shirt, and he asked her to change the shirt in his office while he watched. My thing with this is how can you possibly imagine that that is okay? Like in any circumstance, first of all, the fact that I mean it, it was a different time. First of all, obviously, you know, a, a teacher spanking a student, that is something that is more common in the past. That doesn't fly in 2020 in 2022 that's just not a thing anymore much less even if it's 2000s yes even if you're a female teacher in today's day and age it's still weird first of all if anybody if a male if a male authority figure is spanking a student there should be other people in the room first of all second of all it should not be a male spanking a female second i mean that's just that's just not that's not acceptable in my opinion i think that's absolutely ridiculous third of all Telling an eighth grader that she can't go to the bathroom to change a shirt, like, and saying that it has to be in the office so that he can have the shirt, that's absolutely vile and disgusting. Now, While with all that being office, said, he doesn't yes. step out of the office, allegedly. None of these reports have been acknowledged by Freeze or by the police department in that city. Yes. And so that's the thing with with him in the high school, those allegations, those are more so, like I just said, allegations. Now, a lot of reputable news sites have written about that, but it's not 100 percent rock solid that happened. Whereas the stuff with the escort services, that 100 percent did happen. They're public phone records. The Ole Miss athletic director has come out publicly and said, yes, 110 percent. Those escorts were for Hugh Freeze and not recruits. So that is 100% positive, but there is a little bit of a gray area on how much is true, but there is definitely confirmation that a lot of it is true. And so, Wheeler, it seems like there is a definite disconnect between the fan base. And I would say that the majority of the fan base after the hire, it seems like the majority of people are in favor of it from my just analysis of – you know, my personal con- 
comment section, a lot of people are in favor of this and my direct messages. There are a lot of people in favor of it. There are a lot of people that aren't. And so just for a quick football look at it. Okay. Time out. We have to finish the allegations first. Okay. And that that's the unfortunate thing is that there's a third set of allegations. So now at every stop the man's been at, well, this isn't an allegation. This is truthful. Yeah. The, yeah. The Liberty thing. Do you want to explain the DMs? Yeah. Okay. So just for a, a quick, a quick thing, Liberty has had a bit of a history. So this, this story really starts with the Baylor scandal. Okay. So in, in the 2000s, there was this man named Art Bryles, who was one of the most successful coaches in Baylor history, extremely successful head football coach. But there was a scandal that came out at Baylor about the football administration covering up sexual assault allegations against players. And it ended up being a little bit different. And it seemed like there were covering up of sexual assault allegations around students in general. But Art Bryles was fired and has been a name that nobody really wants to touch in college football. The athletic director and the president of the school were also fired. The athletic director's name was Ian McCall. And Ian McCall was hired at Liberty at the same position as the athletic director. So that's where it really starts. And Ian McCall was the guy that hired Hugh Freeze. So first of all, that's just a little sus. We'll get into that a little bit later. But there have also been lawsuits against Liberty for covering up sexual assault. And the, the, the really the argument is the Liberty way, which is essentially a, something that the students have to sign when they go to Liberty that is kind of almost like a rule book. It's a little weird. You're going to you can look into that if you want just a little bit on your own time. But essentially, there's a lot of sexual assault allegations going on at Liberty and multiple people have stepped forward into a lawsuit against Liberty saying that they're covering up sexual assaults, rapes, things like that. So there was a woman who stepped forward and originally was wanted to remain anonymous and she ended up revealing her name and has been one of the driving forces, one of the spokespeople of this lawsuit. So her name is Chelsea Andrews, and she received a direct message from Hugh Freeze. Uh, this was a few months ago, and essentially Hugh Freeze, who was the head football coach at Liberty at the time, she did not know him. They, they had no contact before this. He DMs her at midnight and says – you don't even know Ian McCall. He is the most Jesus-like leader I have. She tweeted it and said, why is the head football coach at Liberty University DMing me during and after my lawsuit with LU at almost midnight when I didn't tag him and I haven't responded to the other DMs he sent over the month? Publicly naming him so that he can see that I don't want direct contact with him. So first of all, this is a little bit of a different allegation against Hugh Freeze because this is not illegal in any sense. And it's really, you can make the argument on if it's immoral or not. He is defending his friend and messaging somebody about it. My opinion is this is a terrible look for Hugh Freeze. There is no reason whatsoever for Hugh Freeze, who is in a position of power, to DM somebody who is a victim of sexual assault in a lawsuit with Liberty University about it. There's just no reason for that. First of all, that's just unacceptable. There's no reason why you should send that DM. Second of all, in, in response to his actual, the actual contents of his DM, 
I just don't think Ian McCall is the person that should be defended. I, I just don't. And this is something, this is kind of, this is all, all my opinion. But the thing that bothers me the most about Hugh Freeze as from a moral perspective is that when Ian McCall was wrapped up in a sexual assault scandal, ends up at Liberty, and his first football coach hire is he says, oh, Hugh Freeze is my guy. I want to bring Hugh Freeze to Liberty to coach football. And Hugh Freeze is willing to go to war for Ian McCall, and that's how tight they are. Now, obviously, people can change. Change can happen. That's a compl- Yes, that is a thing. My personal concern is that Hugh Freeze and Ian McCall ha- both have a past, and it's just a little suspicious to me. And I don't love that, like what Wheeler said earlier, something has come up with Hugh Freeze everywhere he's been, whether it's at the high school level, at Ole Miss, at Liberty. The odds say, and the, the, the chances are, something eventually will come up at Auburn. I hope that's not true. And obviously, Hugh Freeze could have changed. I do not know the man personally. I, he, he, might have been, he might be completely changed. And obviously, John Cohen, President Robertson, Rich McGlynn have all vetted him, and they believe he's on the straight and narrow and nothing will happen again. And I would love that. As the head coach at Auburn University, I am obviously not wishing scandal on the guy, but my complete personal opinion is I'm a little suspicious that there might be something else that happens because it seems that in his past, something has happened everywhere. And even if it's not, you know, the concrete, he's calling prostitutes and has a, you know, has a hooker in his hotel room every recruiting visit, it's stuff like this that's just still not a good look. If there is someone who is sexually assaulted at Auburn and they're stepping forward and suing the university, that's just not something that I want my football coach DMing her about. Like, th- there's just no reason for like, there's there's no there's nothing that Hugh or Liberty could gain from him DMing her. So th- that's just something that I'm I'm not a huge fan of. If you want to learn more about the whole Liberty scandal, there's a whole lot of it on YouTube. Uh, Chelsea Andrews is actually in an interview kind of explaining a whole lot of that stuff. So I watched that a couple nights ago. Uh, the link was up on my story a couple nights ago, but if, if you, if you're interested, feel free to DM me and I can, I can send you the link, but I feel like that kind of wraps up a little bit of the allegations part of Hugh Freeze. So looking at his pure football record, just on paper at Ole Miss, he was there for five years. 2012, he went seven and six. This is his first season. Goes seven and six and is ranked 48th in the country in recruiting. The next year, 2013, he goes eight and five and has the eighth ranked class in the country. 2014, nine and four, 17th class in the country. 2015, 10 and three. His recruiting is 17th in the country. 2016 has some injury problems with his team. It all comes goes south. He goes five and seven, but his recruiting class is fifth in the country. All the allegation stuff with the escort services come out. He's fired and is not brought back into college coaching until the 2019 season where he takes over at Liberty, who is his first year at Liberty in 2019 was their second year of being a D1 program. He goes eight and five and has the 135th ranked recruiting class. The next season, 2020, he goes 10 and one with the 87th recruiting class in the country. 2021, he goes eight and five with the 113th recruiting class in the country. 2022, he finished the season at eight and four and the 92nd recruiting class in the country. So just on paper, that's a little bit of what Hugh Freeze has done at college football. One of them being at a very high level SEC institution, the other one being at 
an absolutely terrible football program. Absolutely terrible. So I think if you're looking at Hugh Freeze's track record, in my opinion, it is impressive as a football coach. But Wheeler, kind of give us your thoughts on really Hugh Freeze as a football coach and then go into your thoughts on the allegations and just kind of where you personally feel with Hugh Freeze from that side of the coin. So I will say as a football coach, he is definitely qualified for the job. Um, I think that he and Lane Kiffin are basically the same person as far as their coaching acumen. I mean, they have a dead even heat. Um, I think that Hugh is a better recruiter than Lane is. And I think you can see that with his classes, and people will say, oh, well, he was paying his recruits. Well, he's going to be paying his recruits at Auburn uh, with the NIL collective. Uh, I think we – I'm glad that we have built up quite a large amount of NIL money to have, you know, at the ready because I think it's going to be a – Tough sledding for a minute here uh, on the NIL until he wins some games because I think there are a lot of people that are really frustrated with this. With the information that I have and without talking to him and getting his side of the story on all of these things, I think at the very least I am concerned by the fact that he is very – he has poor, poor judgment. I, I mean, he, he made he made a sexual immoral mistake while he was at Ole Miss. That's a fact, and has shown poor judgment in other areas. I was not a fan of him. I think I said that what he had done was on the scum of the earth, and I still believe that the actions that he perpetrated against his family are some of the scummiest things that you can do to your family. That being said, it really doesn't matter what our opinion is about whether or not – I mean, he's hired now. He is Auburn's football coach, so even though I don't like it, I think that there needs to be a very strong morality clause in his contract, and I think you need to appoint someone to be inside the athletic department and over the football team as far as Title IX issues go. I think that to protect the university, you're going to have to go out of your way, and that's going to be the consequence of his action. He may be totally clean for his whole time at Auburn, and if he is, then there will be no problem having a significant presence of people overseeing to make sure nothing sketchy is happening. Because we we don't want, one, Auburn to be shamed, but even more than Auburn being shamed, we do not want people to who attend Auburn University or who live in the Auburn community to have terrible acts perpetrated to them and covered up by a millionaire. I mean, that, that's a bad, bad scenario. And so I don't think that's going to happen. Um, I think that if anything happens, it will just be another lapse in judgment where he does something stupid, not necessarily something illegal. Because so far he's done one illegal thing and a bunch of just stupid things. So the odds really are that he does something just boneheaded, not necessarily um, illegal. So all of that being said, Really good at recruiting. Um, that's going to be – I mean, this is a – this is probably the best class that the state of Alabama has had in years, I would say. And, you know, Auburn's class is starting to look up. The reports are that he has already retained Cadillac Williams, which I think as far as, far as recruiting, we needed to hire somebody today. 
Because if it wasn't going to be Hugh Freeze, I've got news for you. It was going to be an absolute train wreck at Auburn next year. Because if you didn't hire a football coach before this early signing period with the talent that we have on the roster now, it was going to be tough sledding. And so, yeah, I mean, hopefully they can finish out the recruiting class. I think keeping Cadillac on the staff was very, very smart. Um, He has the relationships with the recruits. There are reports out that he was already recruiting. So the man is already working harder than Brian Harson was on the recruiting front. Um, and I think that they can finish strong with the class. And I think that hopefully they're going to be able to get some transfers in, um, assuming people are not afraid of a toxic situation in Auburn. Yeah, and so just to, just to circle back a little bit, because I feel like this is the most polarizing part of the Hugh Freeze everything, you know. So a little bit with the allegations, Hugh Freeze at Liberty has – he does have recommendations from people at Liberty that are saying that he has changed and he's a great person. He's spoken at convocations at Liberty. He seems to have been a changed man. And do you put any stock – because this is – I would say that the biggest – the biggest thing that I've received from people talking about it is if his wife has forgiven him, then that's good enough for them. So do you personally, how much stock do you put in to how he looks to the public? And obviously his wife came out in a very public way and in a very emotional way, forget, like forgave him and talked about that whole thing. So how much stock do you put in that personally? And obviously you said it doesn't matter what we think. And I think that's something I want to make abundantly clear on this podcast. So much of this is just our personal opinion on the guy. The guy is hired. It's not going to make any difference. And he's going to make a lot of PR moves. And like I said, the people that made this hire vetted him. So obviously they, they're the ones that have talked to him and feel good about the interviews. This is just our personal opinion. But Wheeler – how do you feel because of how he was portrayed at Ole Miss? Because that's just something that kind of kind of was in my mind when I was looking through him before we made the hire is of how – just kind of remembering how he was portrayed at Ole Miss and how much of a shock it was to everybody about, you know, the whole escort service thing. Do you put a lot of stock into the fact that his wife has openly forgave him, his children, you know, with the Will Herring video last, uh, you know, uh, that he tweeted last night, his children are great people from everybody that knows them. How much stock do you put into that? Or do you think it's a facade? Do you think it's truly real? Do you think he's a truly changed man? Just kind of what do you personally think of it? I think that if you had the escort service, or the two or the DMs and the high school allegations, if any, like if the escort service was its own situation, okay, he would have gotten fired from Ole Miss, he would have gotten hired on at Liberty, and he would be back in the SEC now, and everybody would be perfectly on board. If he had the allegations in high school, had done nothing at Ole Miss, got fired for his NCAA violations, and then had the DMs, I still think he gets hired without controversy. It's the trifecta of all of them. And I think the thing about it is, yes, the high school thing, lapse in judgment, terrible decision to even make it where she, that girl could think that she was being followed into the parking lot. Poor decision. Not having someone else in the room while you spank a high school girl. Terrible decision having the person change in the room. I mean, just mind-bogglingly 
bad decisions, but are they sexual assault? I mean, I don't know. He it's creepy. That's second. the thing. It's it's creepy, and it's I think that that's just what it goes back to. But is it yeah. illegal? Ah, I don't know. See, and I, I think that's where a lot of the line is, is that a lot of people are making the argument that he hasn't done anything that warrants him getting arrested, and therefore he hasn't done anything that warrants him not being hired. But I just think a lot of people are just hung up on just when you read it, you're just like, oh, my gosh, this is just creepy. So yeah, and obviously somebody wants to go out and just root for a creeper. And so the question, the question truly becomes, has he changed? The fact that he's still married to his wife, and the fact that they've made the whole situation very public, I think you have to give him the benefit of the doubt. I do. And I think the fact that his kids went to Auburn, love Auburn, live in the Auburn community also says something. And that the fact that they're still defending him. Because if it was all, you know, a facade, typically the kids are not going to buy in to the facade. You know, once you've left their shadow and you're not at the school where they are, like, I don't think you're just going to perpetually defend them. So I think that there's a lot of creepy behind it. I think he can repair his image to the public. Um, there's going to be a lot of people that I think never get on board with him. And uh, I mean, that's their personal choice. But as far as an actual football coach, I do think that Hugh Freeze gives us a good chance of winning a lot of football games in the next couple of years. Here's the thing about him as a football coach, though. Get ready for the Tommy Tuberville treatment. Hugh Freeze is the he is that guy. He's gonna go out and he will win the big one. I mean, he'll go out and he'll beat Alabama by two touchdowns. And then the very next week, you're gonna get a mediocre to poor Arkansas team that's just scrapping for bowl eligibility, that's gonna come in and wreck your number one seed in the college football playoff. If we get a 12-team college football playoff, Hugh Freeze will have us there all the time. If it stays as a four-team college football playoff, we're going to have to just pray that we somehow get lucky. And in the game we lay an egg, we don't get rocked by a mediocre Arkansas team or by a poor Mississippi State team or by a 4-7 and seven Texas A&M team because the man is, I mean, very sporadic with his uh, results in games. Yeah, and, you know, just to build on that, Ole Miss in 2014 started the season 7-0 and with wins over number three Alabama, number 14 Texas A&M on the road. You know, they looked they looked like a, a contender, a legitimate contender. They were ranked in the top four in the first college football playoff ranking. The next week they lose to LSU in Death Valley by three. The next week they lose to an Auburn team that was really good. By They lose by four. If Laquan Trevill doesn't break his leg, right on the goal line, they win that game. So I'm not really going to hate on them for that because Ole Miss did play very well in that game. They beat Presbyterian. So all of a sudden, you're looking at a team that started 7-0. and They're looking at 8-2. and Still hope for a, a really good season for Ole Miss's standards, but still, like, you can't help but feel disappointed. And then they go into Fayetteville and get rocked 30-0 to by a bad Arkansas team. Then the next week they beat Mississippi State in the Egg Bowl 31-17. to So I think – and then, you know, obviously in the Chick-fil-A Bowl, they go in, play TCU. That TCU team was pissed off about not making the playoffs. They beat Ole Miss 42-3. to 
I think that is just a perfect representation is you see the Presbyterian game is a game he should have won. He goes out and he blows them out, does what he's supposed to do. The next week against Arkansas, lays an egg, absolutely lays an egg. He had a better team. He had a better coaching staff. They lose the game by 30 and get shut out. A high-powered offense that scored 31 on Auburn, 23 on Alabama, 35 on Texas A&M, and they put up zero against a mid-Arkansas team. And then the very next week, they win their big rivalry game against a really good Mississippi State team, arguably one of the best Mississippi State teams we've ever seen. And then the very next game loses by 40 points. I mean, I think that is just the perfect, the, just the perfect representation of how sporadic Hugh Freeze can be. Now, with all that being said, that was at Ole Miss. The argument is that with Auburn's resources, with an with with the level of prestige that Auburn has, the staff he could bring in, some of the players he could bring in, hopefully that'll take away some of the just games where he laid an egg. And I think that Hugh Freeze has proved that he can win a game when he has a worse team and he has a worse coaching staff because he can win those games. Similar to what Gus did, Gus had that knack. He could beat Saban, and Freeze has that. You know, it's just that kind of undescribable. He can do it. Now, Gus had his problems. He couldn't really beat Georgia. Freeze has the problem. He lays an egg. Once a year, there's a game that there's no reason he should lose, and he loses it consistently. He did it at Ole Miss. He's done it at Liberty. The hope is that he doesn't do it at Auburn, but it reminds me a lot of how you said with Tuberville. Tuberville could win big games, but he could also lose, just have bad losses. And for all the listeners that were, you know, remember the Tuberville years, you're going to remember it. And I think you're going to see a lot of shades of that with Hugh Freeze. And in my opinion, Hugh Freeze is very similar to Gus Malzahn. And I, I don't know if I mentioned it on the podcast. I remember I mentioned it to a conversation that we had back in February about Brian Harson on I was not necessarily a completely against the coaching caliber of Hugh Freeze because it'll get Auburn back to the point that we are a respectable program and that we win most of our games and have good recruiting. And at that point, it seemed like Hugh Freeze probably wouldn't get us over the hump. But now, now there's a 12-team playoff. We don't need to get over the hump. You just got to be the top 12. And you can afford, if you have wins against LSU, if you have wins against Alabama, if you have wins against Georgia, the committee's not really going to look as much about the loss to Arkansas, the loss to Mississippi State that you just laid an egg on, because they're going to see that you do have the potential to win the massive game. And they're going to weigh that a little bit more favorably for you. So I, I don't know. I, I I think as a coach, from a purely football perspective, I think it's a good hire. But Wheeler, just kind of give us your thoughts purely on the football side of Hugh Freeze. And do you think that he will be able to kind of amend his ways and be able to win consistently the games that he's supposed to win? The big winner of this entire situation, in my opinion, is Robbie Ashford. Uh, Freeze runs a very quarterback-friendly offense and was able to take – Honestly, quarterbacks that were pretty poor and make them look really good. Um, that's that's a win. I think that Robbie Ashford coming back next year, you know, he revealed after the Iron Bowl that he had a AC joint sprain um, and a bruised rotator cuff. Uh, then for the, basically the entire time he was the starter. So starting in the Missouri game, he – got injured and was hurt the rest of the season. And he said a lot of weeks he was not even throwing in practice. So having a elite quarterback coach in a system that is very quarterback friendly coming from 
at the beginning of the season, a system that was not quarterback friendly at all. It was nobody friendly. Nobody knew what was going on. And honestly, think about it. I mean, the offense actually got rolling. Like, once they got rid of whatever system they were running with Harson, like, I guess the Texas A&M game, they did score 13 points. But those other games, like, they scored a lot of points. The Iron Bowl, they scored a ton of points. The uh, Western uh, Kentucky game, they scored a ton of points. Mississippi State, they really did well. So, yeah, I mean, I think that Robbie Ashford is the big winner here. And I've said it all along. If Robbie was able to throw the ball effectively, he instantly becomes a Heisman Trophy candidate. Robbie is going to – if he can get to throw in the ball a little bit more consistently, and I really don't think we've seen the best of him, seeing as he was in Oregon during COVID, and then he had, you know, Chotch, Brian Harson trying to coach quarterbacks, and he can't coach anything other than how to build bigger biceps for his Instagram pictures. Um, you know – he has room for development. I, I'm really excited. I think Robbie Ashford going into next season is the guy that I am most excited to see under a new regime. Um, and, you know, they're going to have to get off to a fast start. You know, we're just looking ahead to a way too early. I mean, heck, the season ended on Saturday. Well, I guess there's still Possibly. technically hope of Here's my thing. This is going to sound so just not good. Do we want to play in a bowl? I mean, do we really want to play in a bowl? We would get mauled. The whole team was – I mean, they gave everything on the field for the Iron Bowl. I think every single person on the D-line is hurt. Like, I know everybody's a little nicked up by the end of the season. I think everybody on our defensive line is, like, down bad hurt. Um, And just – I mean, the offensive line, they keep dropping light pots. I don't know. Maybe we do want the bowl practices to help install. But especially with how college football is now, now that you have coaches during the summer, as long as you don't have a football in your hand, I mean, they can wad a towel up and run play. I mean, you have plenty of time to install a system with the new rules of college football, and six practices for a bowl are not going to make or break your next season. I agree, but I do, I, I do think that, I think that it's a reward. I think it's a reward for the players. They fought. They earned what they have. And if they do, if they do get the nod for a bowl, if Buffalo loses on Friday, we have a decent shot to get selected for a bowl. It's indicative of the fight that they had at the end of the season, a team that should not have made a bowl, and they ended up turning it around and fought and got it. I think that they also get a vacation. I think that's the biggest thing. You get a vacation. You get to play football again. For the seniors, a lot of them, it's their last time they'll ever play. And obviously, guys like Derek Hall and Colby Wooden, like, they might not be, you know, Owen Pepo, they might not be as, you know, they love Auburn, but they they might not be as apt to want to play in a bowl game for obvious reasons because they'll be in the NFL. It's not their last time playing football. But I think for some of those other guys that are seniors that might not make it to the NFL, like, that's their last time playing football. And when you know it, I think that's another thing that with the Iron Bowl, there's always a chance that it might not be, you know, it's kind of like playing a playoff game with the bowl game. You know, it's going to be your last time. It's an emotional time. Let the guy, you know, like let them have fun. Uh, I, I think that if we can make a bowl, I would want to, and not just because I love watching Auburn football, but I do think that it would be good for the players to have a bit of a reward for the fight that they did have at the end of the season. And if they want it, I think they should have it. 
That that's how I, I that's agree. how I see it. I agree that if the players want it, but also I don't think that Auburn fans should get mad if the players vote and vote tonight play in the bowl game. When, no, that's their when decision. you didn't even win no. six games and then your players vote that, like you can't be mad at that. No, and, and even if we if we won eight games and the players voted to not play in a play in a bowl game, like okay, that's their like they're the ones playing in it, like. It doesn't really change. I mean, it doesn't change my life if we go to an Outback Bowl or the Gasparilla Bowl or the Birmingham Bowl. Like, that doesn't matter to me, but I do think that a lot of the players enjoy the bowl games. There are a ton of reasons as to why you would. And I think it's all about it's all about them. So if they vote and they don't want to do it, that's fine with me. If they vote and they do want to do it, that's fine with me as well. Yeah. So the just the super quick run through next year's schedule starts off relatively easy. You have a home game at UMass or versus UMass, who this year won, I believe, one game. So they ought to be a real hard hitter. Um, then you go on the road to Cal Berkeley, which is just tough by the I mean, you know, road games are inherently difficult, but that should be a winnable game. You have Sanford come into Auburn. We will boat race them. And then here's where it gets crazy. In consecutive weeks, you have at Texas A&M and College Station, you face Georgia at home. You get a bye week before you go down to Baton Rouge. Then you have Ole Miss, Mississippi State, at Vanderbilt, at Arkansas, and then you finish out the season with New Mexico State and Alabama. Revenge game for Hugh Freeze as he just got throttled by New Mexico State this week, 49-14. to So – Difficult middle of the season schedule next year. There's going to be a lot that happens between now and then. I don't think you can predict a record right now because we have no idea who's going to be playing football for Auburn next year. A lot of people uh, are predicting that we will pick up 30 people between uh, the portal. I don't know that we're going to pick up 30 people because I just really don't see that many people leaving. Like, I really don't. Uh, do you – I mean, am I crazy? I feel like this is not going to be a big transfer team. Um, I think that if you were going to transfer from Auburn, you would have announced that you were putting your name in the portal. There wasn't much keeping you here this season. So, I don't know. We'll see. Um, I think that you're going to – I think Tank will declare for the NFL draft. Hopefully we can hold on with Jeremiah Cobb, um, the running back out of Catholic High School in Montgomery. Uh, you'll have Jarquez Hunter, Demari Austin, assuming neither one of them transfer, which I wouldn't imagine that either one of them will transfer, especially with Cadillac here. Um, you know, is Quinshawn Judkin, Judkins, I know that a lot of people said if Lane came here that he'd be on the board. I'm not convinced that he's not on the board. Um now that you know Cadillac gets to gets to make some decisions, um, it it just depends on how much he's enjoyed Old Miss and Lane Kiffin. But other than that, I mean, I think it's all just a holding pattern, and we see how bad uh, woke Auburn Twitter burns with uh, their disdain a few freeze here at the very end. Yeah, and so essentially, just a quick wrap up. You know, we, we've given our opinions, but I do think at this point you, you're, we're in it. 
The man's been hired. We'll talk about it, obviously, a little bit more as questions arise and stuff like that. But I don't think we'll be harping on it too much. And I really hope that Hugh Freeze will not make us talk about it anymore. I think that if he is changed, then it will be behind him. We won't have to worry about any of the allegations anymore, and we can focus on football. With all that being said, you know, Hugh Freeze is the guy, hit the ground running with recruiting. And now it's just kind of a waiting game. We're going to see the staff that he brings in. We're going to have more podcasts to talk about specific staff guys, guys that are staying, guys that aren't, all that good stuff, Transfer Portal. We'll have plenty of podcasts, possibly even another one this week to break down everything once the dust settles. But as always, thank you guys so much for listening. And War Eagle. War Eagle.